Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to our Monday night class on Mishle. We're live tonight here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and many people listening wherever you are. We're glad you can join us. You know, this past week, there was football. Football in the NFL, National Football League, and there was one play that uh, unfortunately for the person involved caught the attention of really everyone in the world. It was a blooper to say the least. The quarterback of the New York Giants professional football team out of New York was basically on a sprint, a breakaway to the end zone to score a touchdown. There was no one around him for probably 50 feet. It's a great play by the offense and he just started sprinting towards the end zone to score. And then all of a sudden, for reasons unbeknownst to him or anybody else watching this play, he tripped. He just tripped on something, his leg, the grass, no one really knows. And uh, he didn't make it to the end zone and was touched. And it was embarrassing. It was not something that he would probably want to remember, but the whole world will remember that. And it will be on highlight reels for many, many years to come. It's with that that we begin tonight's shiur on Mishle. We're studying Perak Dalid, Pasuk Yud Bet, if you're following inside. Hope to plan to finish this Perak tonight. And here Shlomo HaMelech in continuing his discussion about Musar and Chokhmah, discipline, and the ways to attain Chokhmah, he writes, lo When you walk, your steps will not be constricted. Lo and when you run, you will not stumble. And the rabbis explain that this pasuk says that there are two pitfalls that a person needs to avoid. Number one, when a person walks, in the path of Torah, he fulfills all the obligations that are incumbent on him, but he needs to be careful. He needs to make sure not to be slothful in his performance of the mitzvot. And that's what it means not to constrict his footsteps. So what does it mean when you run? When you run, you will not stumble. So the Malbim writes beautifully that there are times that a person wishes to rise to great spiritual heights with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement, and he runs towards that. And if a person progresses upwards very rapidly and he starts adopting stringencies upon himself and his family and he starts practicing unusual uh, forms of piety and chasidut, this is going to cause him to stumble. It's going to cause him to overstep his current spiritual capabilities. And the Malbim quotes the Gemaran Masechet Chagiga, Daf Yudalit and Tedvav, about Elisha ben Avuya, who was the rabbi, the teacher of Rabbi Meir Balanes, the famous Tana, who delved prematurely into the mystical realm of Torah. And unfortunately, he emerged as a heretic. And he was shunned by his former colleagues and was known as Aher, the other. 
So therefore, the Pasuk warns us that we have to be careful not to stumble when we advance too quickly in the path of the Torah. But rather, says the Vilna Gaon, how, how we should do it? We have, to be, we have to proceed gradually, slowly but surely. And this is an assurance, the Pasuk says, to a person who attempts to accelerate, to run towards it, it's not going to work. The Torah is there to protect you. But you have to be smart. And you have to go little by little. Always growing, but never running. Running is dangerous. Hachazek bamusar al-teref. Hold fast to the discipline, to the musar. Hold on to the Torah. Don't weaken your grasp on the discipline. Strengthen yourself in it. Don't let yourself weaken even for one moment. Because man's natural inclination is to tend towards evil. Last week we read in Parashat Noach, Ki yetzer lev adam rami ne'urav, that the yetzer, the inclination of man, from his ne'urav, from when he was a nar, from when he's a child, it's already leading to evil. So therefore, man has this ongoing struggle for mastery over these ideas, over these natural inclinations, and the only thing that can help him is the musar is the discipline, which we already explained is Yirat Hashem, fear of heaven. Only that can provide him with the spiritual force that he needs to restrain from the Yetzirah. And that's the reason why a person has to cling to it. He has to grab it, lest, God forbid, the Yirat Hashem elude him even for a moment. The whole term, Hachazek, Hachazek means to hold fast implies that this thing is trying to leave us. When something is trying to pull away from us, we have to go and grab it. Because it's trying to separate ourselves from a person. That's the musar that we need to grasp. It's a concept because it's not natural to a person. That's why we have to hold on to it hard. And if we hold on to it with strength, then we'll be sure not to weaken ourselves or weaken our Yirat Shamaim. The Gemaran Masechet Shabbat compares a person who has Torah knowledge but lacks fear of heaven to a gizbar. A gizbar is a treasure. This treasure has the keys to the safe, but he doesn't have the key to the building. So the Chafetz Chaim says that if a Torah scholar lacks the discipline, if he lacks the musar, the yirat shamayim, his Torah is not going to endure. It's like a, a traveler who's traveling through a fierce storm, and the clothing is whipping around him. If he doesn't tighten that clothing around him, if he doesn't really protect himself, then he's got no protection at all. The clothing will just blow away or rip apart because of the storm. And so too, as we go through society filled with heretics, filled with tuman and impurity, it's so important that we wrap ourselves in the clothing of musar, in the clothing of discipline, so that the Torah that we learn the shurim that we listen to, the words of wisdom that we seek, can protect us from all types of spiritual damage. And therefore, Nitzereha, Shlomo Amel says, you have to guard it. Constantly add gedarim, fences, to discipline yourself, to prevent yourself from weakening. Kihi chayecha, because it is your life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu grants man chayim, the gift of life, in order that we improve our character traits in order that we improve ourselves in areas that we that we don't 
that we aren't perfected in. That's what life's about. So therefore, we always have to intensify our efforts in the musar, in the discipline. Because if not, lama lo chayim? Why does a person have life? Don't come to the path of the wicked and do not walk in the path, in the way of the evildoers. Here we have two synonyms of wicked. We have reshaim. Reshaim are the wicked. So Vilna Gaon says, refers to people who are wicked towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to God. And then we have the Ra'im. The Ra'im are the evildoers. And these are the ones that sin between fellow man. And if you look at life, the Gemara tells us that most people are guilty, either directly or indirectly, when it comes to Ben Adam Lahavero, whether it comes to stealing, or dishonest business dealings, or Lashon Hara, all the things that take place between man and man. There's much more ra'im. There's many more evildoers. And that's why the term for the evildoer is derech. Derech is a wide path. is a well-traveled road. Because there's a lot of people, unfortunately, on that path. But rather the reshaim, the people that only sin between, between themselves and God, that's orach. Orach is a narrow, less frequented path. That's associated with the people who unfortunately sin to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Pera'ehu al ta'avorbo va'avor. If you were to encounter these people, Shlomo HaMelech says, reject it. Do not pass on it. Veer away from it and move away. Says the Ralbag, if you can nullify the way of the Rasha'im, of the wicked, by preventing them from completing the evil, then do it. Do it. But just don't pass along their way. Don't come into their vicinity. If you're unable to stop them, then just veer away from them completely. Just totally, totally avoid it at all costs. Have no part in their rish'ut, in their evil. The Vilna Gaon says that this pasuk advises us that our base ta'avot, our base desires can be subjugated, can be held down gradually. A person who jumps immediately to the opposite extreme, if he has a ta'ava for, for, uh, for unhealthy foods, and immediately he goes, he says, from now on, I'm only eating greens. He's not going to survive. He won't last. He's going to fail. You have to do it in order to uproot a person's passions, a person's desires. Again, it has to be le'at le'at. Slowly, from now on, I'm going to have one course, I'm going to have vegetables. Uh, I'm going to have a salad for my meals. And then, slowly but surely, you are becoming healthier and healthier until you eliminate all the your unhealthy diet completely. Same to do with all the midot, person who has trouble in, with his anger, a person who has trouble with his stinginess, a person who has trouble with his arrogance, all these things. The base desires have to be uh, disregarded at slowly but surely. Because these wicked people, these individuals who seek constant evil, whether amongst their friends, like we said, or amongst HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they cannot sleep, Shlomo Amir says, if they don't do evil. They have integrated the sin into their very own being. And therefore, without indulging in sin... They can't sleep. My day is not complete. I haven't put a check mark in my to-do list 
if I haven't done an Avera. And their sleep will be robbed if they do not cause others to stumble. And even after they've satisfied their own desires, Shlomo HaMelech says, and they're satiated with their own sins, but I still can't sleep comfortably because I didn't cause other people to sin. And that's why it's so important for us to avoid them and not come in their area, not come in their vicinity. For they, the wicked, eat bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. So on a simple level, you could say that their parnasah, their bread and wine was taken through violence and theft. It's not honest. But you can also explain why the wicked cannot sleep in the previous verse. Because to them, evil and sin, these two things are like bread. Just like someone who's hungry cannot fall asleep, and you got to have your snack, your late night snack, so too a person can't sleep until he's committed evil, until he's committed a sin. Then Shlomo HaMelech says very famous pasuch, Ve'orach tzadikim ke'or noga, cholech va'or ad nechon ayom. The path of the righteousness is like the glow of sunlight growing until the high noon, until midday. The rabbis in the Midrash teach us that the Chachamim, the Tzadikim on this world, they undergo suffering in this world. But ultimately, in the end, it's going to be tranquil. At the beginning, it's trouble, it's suffering, but at the end, it's tranquility. And therefore, the Al-Sheikh says that the path of the righteous is an orach, is an orach tzadikim. Like we said, it's a narrow path, which ultimately turns into a broad, sunny path, like the light of dawn that spreads across slowly, but slowly as, as it gets brighter into the day. And that's what the tzadikim go through. Initially, they suffer in this world, but it's that very suffering that's the reason why they see the great light that they're going to merit in the next world. Pasuk Yutet is the opposite. The Rashaim. Derech Rashaim kafela. But the way of the wicked is like darkness. Lo yad'u kashelu. They do not know what they stumble upon. Someone who walks in darkness, whether it's a physical darkness or a spiritual darkness, he can't avoid the obstacles in his path. He doesn't see anything. He can't see anything, so, so how is he supposed to avoid what's in front of him? And those are the people that are led astray based on their fi- false ideologies or ways of thinking. They don't know what to avoid. They don't know what's right and what's wrong. Notice how the, the way of the wicked is described as a derech. We said that tzaddikim was described as an orach, as a narrow path, but the ways of the wicked is described as a wide road. And that's the same based on the same teaching. That if the tzaddikim start out with suffering but end off with tranquility, the rashaim is the opposite. The rashaim, it's techilatan shalva besofan yisurin. Their beginning is tranquility. Their beginning is a wide road. It looks all beautiful, but their end is suffering. Despite the benefits that the wicked are experiencing right now, eventually they're going to stumble and fall. That's what Rashi says in... Sefer Bereshit, Orerecha Arur Umbarechecha Baruch is for the Tzadikim, where it starts off with Arur, with curse, but in the end you know it's a baby Beracha. But Reshaim, it's the opposite. Mevarechecha Baruch, Orerecha Arur. 
The, the, the Rashaim, unfortunately, says the Al-Sheikh, their initial success is to their detriment because what's going to be in the next world? In the next world, they're going to, they're going to fall. They're going to see that all, all the actions that they've taken in this world led to a downfall, led to horrible things. Now, this pattern, this idea of Techilatan Yisurin Vesofan Shalva, that the beginning is suffering and the end is tranquility for the Tzadikim, like we said, is not only applied for the overall life of a person, it's also to the individual acts of righteousness, to the individual, to the mitzvot, the performance of a mitzvah. Many times we do a mitzvah and it's difficult to do. I'm having trouble. Uh, 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 visiting this person, visiting the sick, finding the uh, finding the right lulav and etrog, it's difficult for me. There's yitzharah involved, but you know that the reward in the end is beautiful. The reward is tremendous; it's everlasting. Conversely, when you, a person commits a sin, immediately the the impact is pleasure, it's gain, it's it's wonderful. I got this wide road. But eventually it causes him harm as well. A person should use this as a test for himself. If ever he was to perform an action, a mitzvah or God forbid an avera, he should use it as a test to realize what what is it exactly that took place. If it seems appealing and everything's working fine for him, then maybe this this is a sign of an incoming and apparent, apparent danger involved. But if it seems difficult, if it seems like it's insurmountable, then that's a good reason to think that maybe this is a mitzvah. That maybe this is just a yetzer hara that's trying to prevent you from doing it and to keep on pushing forward. There was once an amazing story of the chief rabbi of Lodz, Rabbi Eliyahu Chaim Maizel. I actually went to visit his kever when I went on a trip to Poland. And he was once approached by someone who was desperately pleading for money. Why? Because his wife and children were being held captive by bandits. They were kidnapped. And they threatened to kill them if he didn't raise a large sum, a ransom that needed to be paid at once. So Rabbi Maizel verified the facts and went out to collect the funds from the community to perform this great mitzvah of Pidyon Shevuyim, the ransom of captives, and in a short time, he was able to collect all the money needed, demanded by the bandits. When he came back home, the rabbi called in the father, meaning the husband and the father of the children, pulled him into the room and started yelling him and angrily demanded from him, admit the truth right now or I'm going to call the police and have you arrested. The man broke down. He couldn't believe it, and he admitted that the kidnapping was a farce. The kidnapping was staged in order to extort money from the community. And he admitted to it, and he gave back all the money. And as soon as he left the room, all the observers, all of the students of the rabbi, they couldn't believe what they just saw. And they went to the rabbi, and they said, how did you realize that this man was lying? How did you know that it was a fake? And the rabbi replied, Never in my life was I able to raise so much money in such little time. And no matter how worthy the cause, it just was never that easy. And when this money came to me so easily, I became suspicious. 
Why was the Satan, why was the Yetzirara not preventing me from doing so? Why wasn't he putting roadblocks and obstacles for making me get the money? Maybe because it wasn't the mitzvah at all. And that's why my suspicions turned out to be correct and this person was lying the whole time. Unbelievable story. Unbelievable story if you think about it. This is what we're being warned over here. That the beginning, it's difficult. The mitzvot are hard. But you're going to see the reward is, at the end, unbelievable. And so too, the opposite way, the pleasure and enjoyment you get in Avera, is it worth it for the end? In the end, about the arur, the curses, the difficult times in the next world, a person needs to find the strength to realize when is the Yetzirah trying to prevent him to do a mitzvah and realize and say to himself, it's okay. I'm going to defeat this and I'm going to do what I have to do. Beni lidvarai hakshiva laamarai hatoznecha. Pasuk Kaf Shlomo Amir says, my child, be attentive. Be attentive to my speech and incline your ear to my words. The, the Vilna Gaon says, we see two terms regarding speech here. We have Devarai, which is my speech, and Amarai, which are my words. And the Vilna Gaon says, the Devarai are the literal words of the Torah. And the Amarai, the Amira, is the inner essence, is the deep understanding of the Torah. And therefore, Shlomo HaMelech is instructing us, the reader, who he also calls his son, to be attentive to the speech. To be attentive to the speech. The literal words of the Torah, listen to them. Pay attention. But when it comes to the deeper esoteric parts of the Torah, the deeper meanings, the, the meanings that attach to your soul, hatoznecha. Hatoznecha means incline your ear because you need greater effort. It's not just enough to listen. You need to, you, uh, you need to actually put in the effort and concentrate in order to get and understand the deeper significance of the Torah's words. The Vilna Gaon famously says, this is the meaning of the Pasuk, Vaidaber Hashem el Moshe Lemor, that takes place so many times in the Torah. When addressing Moshe, God is just conveying the actual words of the Torah, Vaidaber Hashem el Moshe. And Moshe was able to fully understand the depth and the nuances of the meaning. But when Moshe Rabbeinu repeated the words, Lemor, it was now Amarai. He had to explain them in full. He had to go through all the deep significance of each mitzvah. That was the Lemor. Other explanations about Vaidaber and Lemor, not for now. But that's how the Vilna Gon explains. Let these words of Torah, again, the literal words and as well the deeper words, let them not depart from your eyes and protect them in your heart. The Pasuk specifies the eyes and the heart because those are the two organs that lead a person to sin. The rabbis tell us, The eye sees and the heart desires. That's why we say in the Shema, Don't follow your hearts and your eyes. Those are the two parts of our body that God forbid entices to sin. For they are life to those who find them, and they are healing for all his flesh, the words of the Torah. 
Just like we said, there are two aspects of the Torah. You have the outer, the literal, and the inner facets of the Torah. So too, there are two aspects to the person, to the human being. We have the body, and we have the soul. When a person studies the secrets of the Torah, the, the, the Kabbalistic parts of the Torah, the inner essence, that provides the nourishment to our neshama, to our soul. And the study of the outer words of the Torah, that provides nourishment and health to our physical well-being, the body. That's why the Kiryat Shema has 248 words corresponding to the healing of the 248 limbs of a person and organs. The Pasuk specifically says that the words of the Torah will be a source of life to those who find them, to a person who toils and labors until he succeeds in attaining them. A person cannot expect to attain anything in life without investing time and effort. Of Chaim Valazin used to say about his rabbi, the Vilna Gaon, that he would always have the zechut of having an angel come to teach him the hidden aspects of the Torah. But the Gaon, the Vilna, refused to make himself available for that opportunity to learn from the angel. Why? Because he preferred to learn Torah on his own because that's how we learn through toil and through labor. And the sahar involved is much better, is much greater. I rather, I want to sweat for the Torah. To hear it from an angel, I know for us, it sounds strange. I, who would not want to meet an angel and te- have them teach you Torah? But Vilna Gaon, it was all about the Amelut. It was all about investing time and effort. This pasuk is teaching us about the importance of straying away from laziness, atzlut. person to succeed, he cannot be lazy. The Gemara tells us in Masech Megillah, if a person tells you, Yagati velo matzati, I tried in Torah, but I didn't succeed. Or he said, Lo yagati umatzati, I didn't try and I succeeded and I found the Torah. Don't believe him. Impossible. Only if he says, Yagati umatzati ta'amin. Only if he says, I toiled and I found, that's when you're able to believe him. The Gemara Masechet Eruvin also has an interpretation for this pasuk. That the word motzehem, for those who find them, can also be read motzehem, for those who enunciate the words. A person who, who studies Torah should recite the words aloud. When he does so, it helps him remember the Torah easier. And God forbid, it, will, uh, it won't lead him to God forbid forgetting the Torah, which the punishment is very, very strict. The Torah is a source of life for the people who recite the words of it out loud, because that makes sure it ensures that it's not forgotten from them. And anyone that's walked into yeshiva during seder, during zeman, when this yeshiva is in full session, know exactly what I'm talking about. The study halls, the batei midrash throughout generations bear testimony to this idea. You walk in there even for a few moments and you hear the students, you hear the Bachorim and the Avrechim yelling at each other, screaming at each other, words of Torah with excitement. They're not learning to themselves. They're, they're enthusiastic about their limud. And so too, this is what the Gemara means. Lemotziehem, to those who actually enunciate and pronounce the words. That's who... That, that, it's to those people at Torah will bring healing for all flesh. You know, when I have a headache, I take a, an Advil or a Tylenol, 
and it, and it attacks the headache and I feel good. My headache is gone. Same thing if I have back pain. I take medicine and the back pain is removed. But it only targets a specific part of the body. The Torah is ulkol besaro marpe. The Torah tells us, unlike conventional medication, it causes it, 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 it brings healing to the entire body. Besides the fact that the, the medication can bring side effects. This doesn't happen with the Torah. There's no side effects. It's a pure, pure healing for the whole body. More than you guard anything, Shlomo Amir says, safeguard your heart. Because from it is the sources of life. A person has to always, always guard his live from improper thoughts. Because you cannot contemplate using the heart. The heart is what provides us life. The heart plays a, a pivotal role in getting rid of and eradicating our negative character traits. And a person has to uproot these traits by guarding his, his lev through uh, of thoughts of cruelty, of thoughts of kas, of anger, and, and ta'avot, and lust. Uh, focus on negating these bad thoughts and these bad traits to develop a more, more positive traits. The Midrash tells us, like we mentioned, there are 248 commandments in the, uh, in the Torah, 248 positive commandments, and that corresponds to the 248 organs and limbs of the body. And each limb cries out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, cries out to the person, and he says, use me. I want to be the one to perform the mitzvah. I want to be the one to serve God. Hashem, get this person to use the right arm. Get this person to use the left leg. Get this person to use the right ear. To hear words of Torah. I want to be the limb that's going to perform the mitzvah. And you have 365 negative commandments. Mitzvot lotaseh. And those correspond to the 365 days in the solar year. Because from sunrise to sunset, each day cries out to man as well. Please don't use this day to sin. I don't want this day to be one of Averot. So that you and the, and the rest of the world will be deemed guilty, God forbid. Every commandment has its reward. So why isn't the Torah revealed to us a reward for each mitzvah? It only does maybe for a few. Because God wants people to fulfill His commandments for their own sake. And thereby earning even greater reward. Antignosi Soho famously said in Perkei Avot, third chapter, first Mishnah, At tarav. Be not like servants who serve the master for the sake of receiving a reward. Be like servants who serve the master not for the sake of receiving a reward. And the Midrash on that Mishnah illustrates the reward for mitzvot with a mashal, a parable. It was once a king who hired workers to plant a field and he didn't inform them how they would be paid. And only at the end of the day was each worker who planted a tree received a gold coin for every tree that they planted. And the people that planted many trees, they remarked, if someone only planted one tree, got one gold coin, how much more so will we get for the many trees that we planted? And same thing with the Torah. 
if the Torah promises us long life, ki yamecha, if the Torah promises us long life for the reward of sending a mother bird away from her nest, or for honoring our parents, as the Torah tells us, is the reward long life as well. We can imagine what sachar and reward awaits us when a person who performs a mitzvah, which even entails a financial loss or results in saving lives, what's involved in that? Oh my gosh, I send away a mother bird and I get long life. Can you imagine what it's going to be if I go out of my way to help somebody and I sacrifice my own time and my own resources to do that? What's waiting for me in store? This is the idea. Haser mecha Remove from yourself distortion of the mouth and distance perversity of the lips from yourself. Beware of acting in a way that will cause other people to twist their words about you and speak badly of you, says Rashi. In the previous Pasuk, we talked about the noble, correct kavanot of the heart. But if other people notice that your actions and your behavior is faulty, then all you're doing is causing a chilul Hashem, a desecration of God's name. So avoid acting in a way which will arouse suspicion, wrongdoing on your part. Let your eyes look ahead and your eyelids will straighten your path before you. Here, the Malbim says that the word Enecha is referring to open eyes. And Afapecha is referring to the eyes when the eyelids are closed. When it comes to spiritual matters, says the Malbim, the person's eyes need to be open. We have to observe the mitzvot, observe God's deeds. We have to observe HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the manifestation of His greatness. This is the first part of the Pasuk. When it comes to the physical temptations, we have to be afapecha. Our eyes need to be closed. By covering one's eyes, the eyelids will lead a person on the right path. Afapecha yashiru negdecha. It will be yashar. Because he's able to close his eyes and realize, ah, that's not a place I want to go. Rav Isser Zalman Meltzer, the Rosh Hashiva of Eitz Chaim in Yerushalayim, explained this pasuk a little bit differently. And he said, let your eyes look ahead. The word lenochach, which translated as look ahead, can also mean toward yourself. A person should direct his eyesight inward to himself, searching for his own faults rather than the faults of other people. And Rav Zaman Meltzer, every time he would bring in visitors to come seek a beracha or to share with him a problem. And these people would sit in front of them, opening their hearts about what is affecting their lives. Rav Zaman would keep this pasuk written in front of him on a piece of paper in order to avoid, God forbid, feeling any sense of pride when visitors came in. God forbid he should feel greater than this person in front of him. That this person is telling him how he sinned and how what he could do to rectify that sin. So he kept his pasuk written on a piece of paper in front of him. He's telling himself, look into yourself. Look at your own faults. 
Before God forbid you judge other people. They say years after he passed away, his daughter would show the visitors the bowl on his table in his office where he kept this pasuk. That was the, this was something he, he saw constantly in his life to remind him about the humility a person one must take, especially in a position of greatness. Pales magal raglecha derachecha yikonu. Weigh the course of your foot and all your ways will be established. Here the Ebenezer says that weighing is done on the scales of a person's thoughts. A person needs to consider and decide on the right path. Uh, and that's something that is, some, is, an, is an idea that we face every moment of the day where we make decisions. But the Vilna Gaon says there are two types of traits. There are two types of midot. You have inborn traits. That's derech. That's the way. And you have traits that you acquired. And that's regel. That's like the foot. Because they've come second nature to a person. Like a hergel, like a habit. When you want to correct the, a, a negative trait through habit, if you have a bad habit that you acquired, the person is advised to remove it, like we said in the beginning of the shiur, gradually from his nature. This is like peles, balancing the weight. Peles magal raglecha. But when a person is stuck in a really awful a derech, something that he was inborn, something that came from him from the start, at that moment a person has to do whatever he can to get rid of it, and even sometimes go to the extreme. Shlomo HaMelech ends the chapter, the last pasuk, Altet yamin usmol Do not deviate right or left, remove your foot from evil. As a supplement for the previous pasuk, do not deviate from the proper balance. And although the previous pasuk taught us the methods to correct a person's midot and gain the medium road and to gradually move away and find yourself that palace, find yourself that balance and not move right or left. But when it comes to evil, when it comes to rish'ot, when it comes to dealing with the wicked, that's something that you have to move completely away from. Haser raglecha mera. Completely remove your foot from evil. Not, it's not a question of balancing anymore. It's a question of realizing what's right and wrong and staying away from the wrong, from the surmera as much as, much as you can. It's a difficult world, world out there. It's a world with a lot of, lot of evil things going on right now. And it is our job to stay far, far away from it. And of course, not to cause a chilul Hashem, not to cause a desecration of God's name while doing so. Find the right path when it comes to the Midot. Find the middle path when it comes to the Midot, like the Rambam says. But when it comes to Rish'ot, when it comes to evildoers, those are things we need to stay away from. Bezrat Hashem will continue next week with more words of wisdom from Shlomo HaMelech in this wonderful, amazing Sefer. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. Good night.